Welcome to another episode of a special podcast we like to call From the Archives. These are hand-picked sermons and sermon series preached in our church over the years by some of the pastors, elders and special guests we've had the privilege of listening to. We hope and we pray that as we listen to these classic messages, we'll be challenged in our walk with Jesus and encouraged to trust in him more and more. That being said, let's dive into the episode. Hey guys, and welcome back to another episode of our From the Archives podcast, where we are plowing on with our Dummies Guide to Discipleship. This podcast was a sermon originally preached by our, one of our elders, Peter Hallam, uh, speaking about evangelism, which is often a big, scary, complicated word in the Christian life. Peter opens, I think, brilliantly with a grand illustration about what evangelism truly is. Oh, really, it's just sharing something good that we have. Anyway, I'd encourage you to really chew down on what Peter's got to say. I'm sure it will bless you and help you in your Christian life. I should shut up and hand you over to Peter. Right. Peter Rain, Lotion, what are they? What are they? Sweets, right? What's the best thing you can do with them? Eat them, right? But we're going to think of something else that we can do with them. Share, oh, girls, <laughs> lovely, right? Share them. So now then, I want you to grab a little handful each, one at a time. Yeah, right, right. Well done. Oh, I didn't know you could grab so many. Is there some? Is there some? Grab some. Right. 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 And now I want you, I want you to go around and share them. Remember, there are people in the back. There are people in the front. Go around and share them. Will you do that for me? Yes. Not only to your friends, to people you don't know, to people who are here for the first time, people with specs. Short people, tall people, and keep some, some for yourself, because there are only three left. <laughs> Jonathan, sit down. It's all, it's all this morning about sharing, about getting something and then giving it, sharing it around. Thank you for a practical demonstration of that. I suppose there is uh, a right way and, uh, and a wrong way. When our first grandchild was born some 11 years ago, there was a lot of excitement. I sent about 3,000 texts, 10,000 emails. My phone bill was huge. We were letting the whole world know. When grandson number six came along, and yet another boy, the excitement had uh, faded a bit. <laughs> although, um, although social media had improved, I had grown a little more weary, a little less excited, and the effort to make the news known was not so strenuous. We were used to it. Things perked up a little with the next grandchild, 
because she was a girl. The first in the family since 1946. And number eight was also a girl. And then with number nine, the male line returned again. And once more, I was a little stale in sharing the news. Many of us, including myself, I suspect we have lost something of that urgency, that joy and exuberance in sharing the fantastic news of the gospel. Christians in the church at Ephesus were told by Jesus that although they had good qualities, they had abandoned the love they had at first. I think we can be like that as far as sharing the gospel is concerned. Losing something of that newfound joy in Christ. Now, usually, we share with words, either through text, spoken word, or whatever. We'll come to that very soon. But just one quick aside. Some of the best sharing of the faith, Edna made reference to this, the best and most effective witnessing to Jesus is through things that don't involve words. There are a number of people, some in heaven, others who are here now, who show God's love and grace, the very love of Jesus in their lives by the way they respond to illness, to loss, to bereavement, and other bad things. They need not say much very often. Their actions, their very lives, share their faith. But when they do speak, their words are credible and authentic. They share effectively because their talk of Jesus goes hand in hand with their walk with Jesus. But we are going to concentrate this morning on sharing with words. For some of us who are here this morning, the preaching of the word was important in us taking our first steps as individuals to become Christ followers. For others, it's been through conversations, in cafecilia, on the road, in homes. We've met people and we've talked. People have opened up to us and we've shared. In John's gospel, there are two conversations that we're going to look at very, very briefly this morning. We're not going to delve, they're quite long conversations, we're not going to delve into uh, the whole of each conversation. There's one in chapter 3 of John's Gospel, and there's another one in chapter 4. And so we'll read, first of all, in John's Gospel, chapter 3, it might be useful if you have a Bible, or if you don't, if you put up your hand, I'm sure somebody will bring you uh, a Bible. Chapter 3 of John's Gospel, where Jesus meets Nicodemus. And we read in verse 1, Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a member of the Jewish ruling council, and he came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know you're a teacher who has come from God. For no one could perform the miraculous signs you are doing if God were not with him. In reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth. No one can see the kingdom of God 
unless he is born again. How can a man be born when he's old, Nicodemus asked. Surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born? And Jesus answered, I tell you the truth. No one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases, you hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and do you not understand these things? I tell you the truth. We speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen, but still you people do not accept our testimony. I've spoken to you of earthly things and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. We thank God for his word. Jesus met Nicodemus at night. Much has been made of that. I've heard some fantastic theories about why he came at night. I don't really know. Um, Did he come because perhaps he didn't want other religious leaders to see him? Had he and Jesus been too busy during the day? But Nicodemus would have been around Jerusalem at the Passover when Jesus was there. And we read in chapter 2 and verse 23, now while he was, that is Jesus, while he was in Jerusalem at the Passover festival, many people saw the signs he was performing and believed in his name. But Jesus would not trust himself to them, for he knew all people. He did not need any testimony about mankind, for he knew what was in each person. Now, these signs or miracles are not recorded. But Nicodemus with others would have seen them, and he acknowledges this. And perhaps because of this, he calls Jesus Jesus, rabbi. We also read at the end of chapter 2 that many who saw the signs believed in him. Was this hyper-religious Pharisee among them? But for Jesus, that was not enough. He did not entrust or he didn't give himself to such believers. These were there just for the signs and wonders. Now, as we said, Nicodemus did give Jesus some kind of compliment. Uh, In uh, verse 2, he says, Rabbi, we know you're a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the miraculous signs you are doing if God were not with him. And there are many people in our day who will have good things to say about Jesus. They may admire him for his teaching, may believe other things about him, but more is needed to become a true Christ follower. And in this conversation, Jesus plunges right in immediately as he talks to the super-religious Nicodemus, 
confronting a shocked Nicodemus, he says, no one can see or enter God's kingdom unless he is born from above, or born again, as in many of our translations. Why would Nicodemus have been shocked? Well, he, a God-fearing, devout Jew, he not entering the kingdom of God. To be born a Jew is to be an inheritor of the kingdom. Some rabbis taught that Abraham stood at the gates of hell to make sure that not one of his descendants accidentally walked in there. I've come across, and I'm sure many of you as well have come across, you may have even been there, Welsh chapel church people who seem to believe something like that too. They're linked to country, to denomination, to chapel, to living a certain way means a ticket into God's kingdom. And when we talk to such people, we need to show by God's grace that a supernatural change needs to take place. Something that they cannot accomplish themselves by virtue of who they are or what they do. So if heritage, lineage, keeping religious rules, living a moral life, if all of that doesn't take us into God's kingdom, what does? Well, the answer that Jesus immediately says here is being born from above. Probably those were the words spoken by Jesus to Nicodemus. But he was in shock, and he he took it to mean a second, a literal Natural birth. Now, Jesus knew he was speaking to an Old Testament expert. So Jesus explains that being born from above, in verse 5, means born of water and the Spirit. And later in verse 10, Jesus chides Nicodemus, as this Old Testament expert, that he doesn't understand such a reference. He would have known his Old Testament through and through, upside down, in all directions. And probably that reference to water and the Spirit is to Ezekiel chapter 36. And there in Ezekiel 36, verse 25, we read, I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart, and put a new spirit in you. I will remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh, and I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. Sprinkling with water, being having the spirit placed inside. This, if you like, is the new covenant in the Old Testament. This is being born from above, being born again, Old Testament style. And it foretells exactly what Jesus is telling Nicodemus now. Being born from above, being born again, means having a new spiritual heart. Jesus talked with Nicodemus at the level of his expertise. And he was not afraid to confront him with the inadequacies of his his religion. 
There are times when we are called to share our faith with similar religious folk. And it can sometimes be very, very difficult. And as Glenn and Edna pointed out very clearly this morning, their job and our job is to have these conversations, is to talk to people, is to share with people. We do not know what the eventual outcome is, but our job is to share. And we will try, when we talk to such people, to show how a new beginning, being linked to Jesus, means forgiveness, the washing with water reference, and having God's Spirit live in us. This is essential to enter into a relationship with God, to become a Christ follower, and to enter the kingdom of heaven. We could say a lot more about that first conversation, but what of the second one? In John chapter 4, again, an an extended uh, conversation, and we will read some of the verses here. We find in verse 4, that Jesus had to go through Samaria. And he came to a town in Samaria called Secha, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well, and it was noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. And the Samaritan woman said to him, You're a Jew. I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For, For Jews have nothing to do with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. And sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself? And Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And the woman said to him, sir, Give me this water so that I don't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, go, call your husband and come back. Uh, I, I uh, have no husband, she replied. And Jesus said to her, you're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you have had five husbands and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said to me is quite true. Notice how the woman turns the conversation at that. She turns the conversation and she said, "Ah, um, I can see you're a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain. And they go into quite, uh, quite a discussion about where to worship, how to worship, uh, and what the Samaritans did, and so on and so forth. And in verse 25, the woman said, 
I know that Messiah, called the Christ, is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. And Jesus declared, I who speak to you am, am he. We've got a complete change of scene here from chapter 3. Here, there's a conversation with a woman, and a pretty immoral woman at that, a Samaritan woman. Do you know, if the Jews really wanted to insult people, they would call them a Samaritan. She came, not at night, but under the blazing midday sun. Jesus talking to a woman. Did you notice, although we may not have read it very clearly there, when the disciples came back from shopping, they'd gone to get food for a picnic, when they came back carrying their plastic bags, can you imagine them, for which they'd have paid five pence for, and they came back loaded with food, and as they came, they saw two figures at the well. And they said, he's talking to someone. And one of them said, I think he's talking to a woman. Get away with you. I, I think he is. He's talking. And as they came nearer, they realized the disciple who said he was talking to a woman was right. And they mumbled and grumbled amongst themselves. They were really shocked. This, the master, talking to a woman. But notice they didn't tell him anything. They didn't tell him anything. They didn't say anything. But they were really, really shocked. Why were they shocked? Well, just think of some of the things that the rabbis of the day said. Here's what one of them said. One should not talk with a woman on the street, not even with his own wife, and certainly not with somebody else's wife. And another said, it is forbidden to give a woman any greeting. And this conversation took place with a Samaritan woman. And as verse 9 says, Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Even the woman herself was surprised. But she says in the same verse, in verse 9, you're a Jew. And I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? Jesus, as far as the disciples were concerned, they what was happening was way out of their comfort zone. You know, I find it sometimes easier to talk to certain people. I really do. There are people I find it easy to talk to. But sometimes we are called to go outside those normal people that we associate with. Our, our circle, our clique, to go outside our comfort zone. The woman came alone at noon. Very hot. No one else. And usually the woman came together in the morning or the evening, in the cool of the day, <clears throat> to gather water. She may have come alone because others would have shunned her. We love our cliques. Younger people very often stick with younger people. Older folk may sometimes stick with older folk. But we are called to share with all. Notice something else very important, that Jesus came, when this conversation starts, Jesus came not offering anything. 
but asking for something. The one who created the mountains and the streams, the water in the well, he came as a tired, thirsty man and asked a woman with a bad history for a drink of water. What a lesson for us in our sharing of Jesus with, with others. We can show ourselves at times to be so self-sufficient. We know it all. We're in the faith. We've been a Christian for umpteen years. But having a need, wanting a favor, can open the door to rewarding conversations. You know, we, 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 can, be, we can be so polite as Welsh people, can't we? I don't know about the English and other nationalities, but, you know, you go to someone's house, and they say very kindly, and we say, oh, no, 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 well, are you sure you don't want a cup of tea? And then you say something banal like, well, if you're making it. <laughs> well, if they don't make it, you won't get it anyway. We, we can sometimes be very reluctant to be in a place where we show that we have a need. Jesus came not offering this woman anything at the very beginning, but asking her for something. Showing that someone else can do us a favor can lead to a relationship where sharing faith can take place. And Jesus' opening led the way for him to chat about spiritual water. Her past and satisfactory life was opened up. Now, Unlike Jesus, we do not know people's past when we meet them. She had been searching for fulfillment in a string of failed relationships, but she didn't really want to talk about that, did she? She immediately turned the conversation to talking about where people should worship. People often do this sort of thing when we get to engage with them concerning Jesus and what he offers. But Jesus wants us to carry on about the fact that the water of life he gives lasts forever and is totally satisfying. And he tells her plainly that he, Jesus, is the source of that water. He is the Savior. He, in fact, tells her, I am that one. I am the Messiah. I am he. And this is where we want to bring people to realize who Jesus is. Often, even in church, we don't want to leave our comfort zone. We will stick to our own clique rather than talk to a stranger. But sharing our story and other people sharing their story is something that people very often enjoy doing. And we should love listening. Our interest in them, our love for them, will seek to find opportunities to tell them of Jesus and what he offers.
in sharing our faith, we don't really want, as this woman tried to do, to lead a seminar on worship. We don't want to discuss uh, how long it took to create the world or where God is in the Big Bang theory or what did Noah do with all the manure in the ark. We want people to be able to hear by faith Jesus saying, I, the one, am he. And how he cares, how he loves, and how he died for them to live again and offer new, satisfying living water. But as I close, I've got three very brief postscripts. Some of you are saying, and my heart is saying, I'm a failure at sharing my faith. I'm weak. I get tongue-tied. And I'm all around hopeless. Well, if you're feeling like that, join the club. We really are. But it is such people that God uses. He uses the weak, the not so great, to confound the wise. So jump in. Follow Jesus in chatting with people. And secondly, you and I, as a Christ follower, are not alone. You see, you're not flying solo. Just imagine if somebody asked you, oh, there's a small plane out there on the road. They've cleared the cars. There's a small plane out there on the road, two seats, go up and, and fly. Well, I wouldn't. Perhaps some of you would. Gavin would, I'm sure. But uh, I, w- I wouldn't. But if I was told the instructor is sitting right there beside you, and he's got the controls as well. Now, go up. He will teach you to fly. He will always be with you. You will never fly solo. Isn't this exactly what Jesus said? Go and tell people. Go and make disciples. And I'm going to be with you all the time. He is at the controls. He will tell you what to do. Jesus has given us these weak, hopeless sharers of faith, his Holy Spirit. We don't fly solo. Remember that. And lastly, it isn't our sharing that brings another person to Christ. It is God the Father through the Holy Spirit who does that. It isn't your superior arguments or the fact that you lose an argument or even your love for that person. It is God who works in us and through us. All we are called to do is walk the walk and talk the talk. We are called to share our faith. We are not to hoard, not to grow bold, not to huddle in the Christian clique, but by God's strength, by prayer and his spirit, to tell others by word and deed that Jesus died for them. That's what remains of the box of sweets. Not much, is it? (laughs) Uh, I think this was produced for the World Cup. Didn't do much good for England either there. Um, And as it is now, and as it is now, it's no good. Why is it no good? Because all the sweets have gone. 
If I wanted to share this with you, I have nothing to share. There may be someone here who cannot share Jesus with others because they haven't asked Jesus into their lives. You've heard how Jesus went about it. He is the Savior. He is the one who came, who loved you, who died for you, who rose again for you. Ask him into your lives. Become a Christ follower. He will love you and forgive you and give you himself to share with others. By his grace, let's follow Jesus where he went. Well, that's it for another episode of our From the Archives podcast. We hope that you found it challenging and encouraging. And as always, we'd like to offer you a few quick next steps that you can take right now. If there's anything that you'd like to discuss or any questions that have been raised, please do contact us via email to contact at amfordchurch.com. If you want to know more about what's going on in the life of the church, make sure that you like us on Facebook. And lastly... Why not check us out on YouTube, where you'll find additional teaching to complement our regular sermon podcast and our From the Archives podcast. Thanks for listening.